Welcome to Revive Church Online. This is a little bit different, isn't it? Who'd have thought that it would be the year of the elbow? No prophets were prophesying that, were they? I wonder if by the end of the year, our greatest currencies are going to be toilet rolls and hand sanitizers. Um, it is an unusual year, but let me tell you this. God is with us and we will get through it as a family and we'll get through it with him. Uh, welcome those of you joining us from Revive Church locations across Hull and East Yorkshire. If you're in Goole, in Driffield, Brough, Hornsey, Quadrant, Cottingham, Kingswood um, and Hull itself. Uh, we love you. Uh, people in Revive Network that are joining in today, we love you too and are praying for you and then friends across the world, wherever you are. God is with us. I tell you, he's going to see us through. Uh, I was praying the other day about the whole situation that's going on around the world right now, and I had a vivid vision of God's throne over a flood. And I knew it was a scripture somewhere, so I looked it up. Psalm 29, it is verse 10. It says this, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. Um, Psalm 29 shows us a picture of God being enthroned over a troubled world. But as his voice speaks, things change. And I believe God is fully in control and we need not be shaken. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, Psalm 29 verse 10, it gives us this in the notes. It says this is what it means for God to be on his throne over the flood. It says, sitting as king, he rules even over the dark flood of evil to make it end. And I believe God is going to make this end. As we call out to him, as we pray, as we trust and as we seek him, he's going to bring this to an end. And I believe he's going to bring it to an end a lot quicker than some people are saying at the moment. I believe God is moving. And hey, you know, many people are even talking about a sense of actually this is the kind of trigger that can bring about a revival as people start to realize the world is a fearful place and we need a savior and we need a rock solid foundation. And we know Jesus is that foundation. So today I'm going to do some practicals with you and then we're going to hear a message. We're going to pray. We're going to worship a little bit together and then we'll be done. Let's let's do some practicals first. Firstly, we are going to be broadcasting online 11 o'clock every Sunday morning, and that will be repeated 8 o'clock in the evening on Facebook, on the Revive Church Facebook page, but also some other things. Every day, 7 o'clock in the morning, on the Revive Church Facebook page, a different Revive leader is going to be leading a prayer storm time. They're going to share some inspiring thoughts. You can get on there, watch them as they're broadcasting and pray with them. You'll be able to type your prayer requests into the comments box in Facebook and we can be praying about stuff. Let's gather. Let's keep the prayer fierce. We've been in a season of prayer called fierce and we want to stay fierce together. So let's keep the prayer up and let's keep the prayer requests rolling and let's pray for each other because that'll be powerful. So seven o'clock every morning that is. And then as well as that, I am going to be on my own YouTube page and Facebook page every evening, eight o'clock in the evening. I'm going to be broadcasting some faith and inspiring stuff, uh, interviews, uh, some preachers that I've done in the past and some fresh stuff. And just to inspire you to stay in faith, 
for about half an hour to an hour every single evening from eight o'clock. Come and join me on my Facebook page and on my you or on my YouTube channel. And let's stay connected. And we want to keep you inspired. As well as that, Matt and Emily, our youth pastor and children's pastor, are looking at ways that we're going to do stuff for Revival Nation Youth Group, and we're going to do stuff for Revival Kids, and we're going to have some fun there. And uh, the college is going to be doing some courses. We're going to be doing some stuff for leaders. Chris with the network, Andrew with the college, and lots of other stuff like that. We're going to stay busy online. Um, so join us in that, and let's stay inspired and full of faith in this season. Um, one important factor to remember how we're going to move forward as a family. You know, we have this saying in Revive is that we live life in circles, not in rows. Well, that's really going to be tested now because the rows have been taken away and we're just left with the circles. And that means church isn't really, we've never believed it, sitting in a row in a building, singing a song led from the front. We've always believed, actually, it's a circle. Friends around a table, friends praying together, friends truly knowing each other. As I always say, I'm not in a circle unless I can help you wipe the ketchup off your chin. Um, we need to actually have friends, not just be a friendly church, but have friends. And that's really going to be uh, tried and tested. And we need to dig into that deeper than ever in this time. So here's, here's a, a basic thing I'd love you to remember in this season. Take care of the people in your circle. Take care of the people in your revive team, your home group, your ministry, your activity group, your friendship group. Text them more often. FaceTime them more often. Connect where you can within government guidelines and all that sort of thing. But let's look after each other and really make an effort. Though this is a time of, they call it social distancing. I don't really like the phrase. I think we should just use the phrase physical distancing. Because actually, let's be more social than ever. Let's call each other more than ever. Text more than ever. FaceTime more than ever. And there's a little there's a little app called Zoom. If you have a little look at that, you can get a few groups together and we'll teach some of the some of the small team leaders how to do that so that you can carry on having team meetings, even if we go into complete lockdown. Um, so let's do all of that. Let's care for each other in this time. A couple of things that we want to know from you in Revived Church, wherever you are in Hull in East Yorkshire, if you can help us with this. Number one, uh, we really want to know in this time and people who we really want to know about won't be watching this. So this is where you've got to help us and think about this. We want to know who's isolated, who is at risk, who's not online in the congregation. Um, uh, we, we will know some and pastors are helping us draft lists, but you can help us too. If you know people that are isolated, uh, not online, perhaps they don't even have a mobile phone or they're at risk in some way, we really want to know. If anyone's ill um, or it ends up in, in self-isolation, we really want to know. And here's how to tell us. Uh, write to Pastor James at james at revivechurch.co.uk. That's james at revivechurch.co.uk. And um, James will make sure something's happened uh, by talking to your location leader. If you're in a different location other than Hull or talking to your pastor, we've got teams of people building up to help so that we can really reach those who are more isolated than others. OK, so please let us know. It's really important. We want to end up with a list. We know it will be a minority of people, for instance, that aren't online. But we really want to know because it's a very important minority because we need to give them extra care and this stuff we're going to do for them to help them through this time uh, if they don't have the Internet so we can connect this way. 
The second thing is we would love to know if anybody can help us deliver groceries to those who are in complete lockdown in some way, if they're in complete isolation. If you can help with that, again, write to james at revivedchurch.co.uk and James is setting up some teams to help deliver groceries to those who cannot get out at all. We would love you to be part of that. And if that is you as well, write to us too. We really want to help and connect in that way. So just do those practical things for us, will you? Look out for those that are really more isolated or at risk than others and let us know their names so that we can connect. And if you can, let us know what church location they're connected to. And then secondly, if you can help us deliver groceries to those in need, then uh, do that. We'll be sending out an isolation card that you'll be able to download and print out and put through your neighbours' doors, whether you put it through your two direct neighbours or you pick up 50 neighbours around about you. A little card that says, if you're isolated, here's a phone number to call me. And I'll have a, you know, I can chat with you if you're lonely, but also I can help you with the odd grocery thing and stuff like that. So we'll be sending that out to you soon so you can download that and you can help your neighbours and stuff like that. We want this to be a time when the church shines. Church is not closed. Church has just changed in this season. So it's time to really do something powerful together. Um, so coming up in a moment, we've got a message. It's something that was filmed at TBN a little while ago, so it's not going to talk about coronavirus or anything like that. Um, but it's relevant today because it's a message called The Secret of Strength. And I want to share it with you. Then afterwards, we're going to pray. And uh, and the Worship Academy guys are leaders, going to lead us in a little bit of worship. I, I did this one little post that some people seem to like on Instagram and uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So let me just take you through this before I send you to the preach. Is that all right? Here it is. It says, uh, I wrote, stop worrying. And here's how to do it. Only watch the TV headlines once a day and find a sensible channel. You know, I've actually started just watching the Prime Minister's um, press conference each day uh, because you do have to watch the scare stuff uh, and the stuff that really is designed to get your pulse racing because you know how news works these days? Um, they are buying your attention, so they have to sound as exciting as possible. What we need in this time is is just wise, sensible information that we can move forward with. So only watch the TV headlines once a day. That's keeping me a lot calmer and find a sensible channel, not a, a crazy one. Cut down on social media. You know, uh, all the rare stuff and all the scare stuff, you'll find it on Twitter. Cut down on social media in this time or just use it to be positive. But don't scroll through the very rare, scary stories. Um, rather, you want to get your mind on God. Don't buy trashy newspapers. I'll leave it up to you to decide which ones are trashy. But if they're scaring you, stop reading them. OK, um, and then we get onto the good stuff. Read the Bible. Meditate on the Psalms. What does it mean to meditate? It means to open Psalm 23 and just say quietly and whisper prayerfully. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And you might say it six, 10, 20 times and let the word of God get into you. Confess scripture over your life. Play worship music loudly and join in. You know, get your favorite YouTube channel or your favorite CD, stick it on, stick it on loud and have a good worship time because we're going to miss that together for a while. So really take that into your own home where you can. Um, take a long walk in the countryside and breathe deeply. Breathing deeply is really useful. And I know, well, as I'm saying this, we're not on complete lockdown, so you can take a walk in the countryside. Just be careful how you do. Um, exercise, enjoy a hobby, watch your favorite funny movie or series, 
And then I end with arrest every fearful thought and replace it with a scripture. This really is the time to learn how to focus and keep your mind on God. In that vein, we're going to go to the TVN studios now. And I'm going to share a word with you called the secrets of strength. Let's enjoy the message together. Today, I want to talk to you about how to live a strong life because we can't just live supernatural lives. We must also lead strong lives, lives that are enduring, lives that are uh, capable of fulfilling everything that God has planned for us in our destinies. I've discovered in life is one thing to dream, it's another thing to fulfill. Have you discovered that? It's one thing to have hopes, it's another thing to have endurance to see those hopes come about. I remember, I'd love to tell you that I was a biker, but I, I never was. I never had a motorbike, but I did have a moped. I bought a moped once. It was a bright red moped, beautiful paint job on it. And I bought it from a friend. And I remember, I, I live in the city of Hull. There aren't many hills in Hull, but there is a, a flyover, a bridge. And I remember once going down this bridge. Now, my moped could reach about 35 miles an hour on the flat. But if I got going down a hill with a following wind, in the rain, I could reach 38, 39 miles an hour. I remember one day coming down this hill on my, on, the, uh, on my moped, down the flyover, and I'm heading down the flyover, and I'm getting to 35, but I've got a following wind, and I'm going downhill, I'm getting to 36. The, the moped is screaming at me, I'm getting the 37, 38, 42, because it, it a little bit of rain pushing me along. I'm careering down this flyover, down this bridge, and suddenly the bike snaps in half. I'm careering down this bridge. I've just got handlebars and a, and a, and a saddle, and I'm heading down, going, oh, Jesus, as I head down this hill. And I come to a halt at the bottom. Angels must have held me upright because I didn't fall over, and I just stepped off half a bike. <laughs> Do you know what? Underneath that beautiful red paint job, there was rust. And the bike had snapped when it got up to high speed. The thing about the Christian life is underneath the nice outer paint job, sometimes there can be rust that's gonna affect us when we get out and we do high speeds in the purposes and the power and the presence of God. Oh, so we need to be strong on the inside, right to the very core of our beings. And I wanna teach you several ways that God wants us to be strong. He gives us enablers, secrets of strength that help us to be strong in life, to be strong in marriage, to be strong in finances, to be strong in relationships. If we can find the secrets of heaven and begin to work with the ways of God, then we can live a strong life. Moses said in Exodus 33:13 to God, teach me your ways so that I can find favor with you. Teach me your ways so that I can continue to find favor with you. When we learn the ways of God, we can continually find God's favor and become strong. God has ways, ways that he works, ways that he has made life to work. And when we go with the ways of God, life goes good. The Bible is a book, not of suggestions, it's a book of decisions. It, is, it helps us to make the decisions of life. And when we make them God's way, we live a strong life. Something happens when we grasp the strong ways of God. In the book of Ezekiel, we find Ezekiel comes across this river. Do you know the scripture? And he's, he's looking at this river and it's, it's ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then it's waist deep. Then it says it's a river that cannot be crossed or traversed. Do you know in the things of God, when you're ankle deep in the things of God, you can traverse them. You can go anywhere you want and still experience something of the kind grace of God. 
As you go knee deep, you'll begin to feel the pull of God in a certain direction. When you're waist deep, you really will feel God's pressure to move in his ways. But you know, when you get into the truly deep things of God, you cannot traverse him anymore. He lets many young Christians traverse his ways and he still blesses them and helps them and shows his grace and his kindness. But if you want to grow to be mature and if you want to move in the deep things of God, learn to go in God's direction. Learn to go with the grain of God. I remember doing woodwork at school. Did you do woodwork? Oh, I loved doing woodwork, but I was terrible at it. I remember putting the wood into the vice and doing it up and we were learning to plane. You know, planing when you, when you smooth off the wood and you're supposed to go, and this is what all the other kids in the class were doing, supposed to go shoop, shoop, and these lovely little curls of wood come off the plane and oh, it's beautiful. Well, I was with my bit of wood and it was going, what's wrong with mine? And I heard my teacher scream across the classroom, Cooper, you're going against the grain. <laughs> he came up, turned the wood around, put the plane to it, shoop, shoop, shoop. You know, in God, it's the same way. When you go with God's grain, when you go with God's ways, life becomes shoop, shoop, smooth. When you're going against God, you might love him, but you haven't grasped his ways yet. You've got to love him with your mind as well as your heart. When you grasp the ways of God, life will go shoop. If you're going against him, life is going to be... <laughs> you don't want that to be your life with God. You want to find his ways and move smoothly with him. You know, I love this saying, it's not the load that breaks you, it's how you carry it. Isn't it amazing, different people in different areas of life. You sometimes you ever look at people and go, how on earth are they doing all that? Well, maybe they've learned a way to be strong, a way to carry the load that God's given them. If we learn the ways of God, we can do immense things in him. In my book, Stronger, Building a Powerful Interior World, I talk about how we need to live strong because it was my fascination. I've had dreams from God for years, but I knew, Cooper, you're going to have to get stronger to fulfill those dreams. Too insecure, too much of a lightweight, too fearful. How can I become strong in God? This is the book of my discovery of how to be strong in him. And listen to this from the introduction. It says this, the strong can do what the weak cannot. Isn't that the most plain, obvious statement in the world? It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Strong people do what weak people can't do. Listen, it goes on. The strong keep going when the weak give up. The strong resist temptation when the weak give in. The strong remain in peace while the weak stumble are thrown off and fall. The strong turn up and the weak give up. The strong carry heavy weights while the weak drop responsibilities. The strong control their emotions while the weak are overcome by stress. The strong draw meekness and humility out of their grace-filled souls while the weak are overcome by ego, approval addiction and ambition. The strong do not dwell on issues that they cannot change while the weak are overcome by regret, shame and the disapproval of others. The strong attend while the weak fall away. The strong break through, clear the way, endure hard times while the weak fail, shipwrecked by little irritations and inconveniences. The strong rise up. The strong take ground, they attack, they advance, they improve, they update, they embrace change while the weak hide, searching for the path of least resistance, cost and pain. Oh boy, I don't know about you, I want to be strong. Weak, I think it's quite fashionable to be weak, even to kind of go, well God, I'm just, I'm just too weak, your grace is going to have to do it. Listen, the Bible says this, let the weak say, I'm strong. 
This is the whole point of the gospel, not that we remain weak, even though we know in and of ourselves we always will be, but the gospel infuses us with God's strength and God's power and God's character and nature so that the weak become strong. That, my friends, is the point of the whole gospel. Weak people becoming strong. I'm incredibly weak without him. But as he teaches me laws and principles and ways that he moves, I can line up and find the strength of God moving in my life. I'm going to give you several in this program and the next ways that we can find the strength of God in our lives. Here's the first one, and I'm going to use the word law. I don't mean law as in a rule. I mean like the law of gravity. They're just ways that the world works. And I want to give you some of the ways that God's strength works, some of the ways that he's made life to work. And I'm going to use the word law, because like I say, it's like gravity. This is just how it works. And here's the first one, the law of foundation. If you've got a crooked foundation, you're going to build a crooked house. You've got to get your foundation right. Now, foundations aren't necessarily very cool or exciting. They're hidden most of the time. But when your foundation is right, you can build a strong house. Matthew 7 verse 4 says, Therefore, everyone who build, sorry, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. There's something about building on the rock. And we know from this scripture, what Jesus is talking about is those who do my word are building their life on the rock. It's behaviors that create a strong foundation in our lives. Leonard Ravenhill in his newsletter tells a story of a group of tourists visiting a picturesque village and they walk by an old man sitting beside a fence. In a rather patronizing way, one tourist asked, were any great men born in this village? The old man replied, nope, only babies. <laughs> we all start out as babies, we're not born great. We build a foundation and we become great in God. My question to you today, how is your foundation? Sometimes we want the outer stuff, the stuff that we think makes us significant, but actually what's far more important is to get the foundation laid. I find it fascinating that we don't know much about Jesus for the first 30 years, especially that middle section. We know about his birth, we, he appears in the temple, um, but then there's, there's 17 years when we know nothing. And the Bible just gives us a couple of verses saying he was growing in grace, in strength and in favor with God and man. He was growing. Our foundation is a lot about us just growing. I know people that well, they want to change the world, but they don't even change their underwear often enough, right? We've got to learn to just live life. Some people say, I want to be a prophet. I say, just be a good man first. Start out by being a good, but get your foundation right. Get your marriage right. Get your relationship with your kids right. Get your finances right. Get your foundation strong so that whatever God builds on it is on a secure foundation. Sometimes we're wanting to be significant, but we haven't even done the foundational basics of developing a strong life for the future. Those silent years of Jesus, wow. His foundation was so strong. It only took him three years and three and a bit years to fulfill his ministry because his foundation was laid right. Let me tell you today, generations are depending on your foundation. 
the influence of who you are will echo for generation after generation. There's a piece in my book that I think is fascinating. Listen to this. An investigation into the famed 18th century revival preacher, Jonathan Edwards, showed that of 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, 100 became preachers and missionaries. 100 became lawyers. 80 were public officials. 75 were army and navy officers. 65 were college professors. 60 were physicians. 60 were prominent authors. 30 were judges. 13 were college presidents. Three became United States senators and one was a vice president of the United States. That was the echo of the foundation of a man of God. Wow, generations, because he'd lifted the bar and he'd removed things from the foundation that can affect generations. Listen, it goes on, comparing with another man of that era, Max Jukes. Mr. Jukes had 310 descendants who died as paupers. 150 were criminals, 100 were drunkards, seven were murderers, and more than half of the women were prostitutes. What is in our foundation will echo for generation after generation. We need to get the foundation of our lives right. What's in the foundation of your family? Maybe it's debt, generation after generation. Because isn't it funny, we just presume that how our parents did it is how we should do it. And so debt can go on for generations. Alcoholism can go on for generations. Depression can go on for generations. I'm not saying that's someone's fault, but how's about you being the generation that go, you know what? We're gonna fight this with every spiritual principle God gives us. We're actually gonna to begin to fight to go, no, you know what? Mental illness stops with my generation. I'm gonna fight for a breakthrough to see us come through to the blessing of the kingdom of God. What about relational breakdown? What about joblessness? What about divorce? How's about breaking some of these things out of the generations of our lives by getting our foundation right? How do we do it? Well, we need to dig right into the mess of our stinking thinking. Why do things go on in our world that come through generation after generation? How can we stop them with God's help? As we dig into the foundation using God's word, getting great advice from pastors and spiritual people around about us to say, I want to break this in my life. I want the foundation to be strong something can happen that's powerful. Be like Jesus. Don't jump for the great things of ministry or career of life. Take time with your foundation. Actually, if you build your foundation right, life will be incredibly powerful. And that's the first law of strength. Get your foundation right. Because if you've got a crooked foundation, you can only build a crooked house. Let me give you one more the law of activity. So the first one is the law of foundation. The second one is the law of activity. Do you know, you do best when you are active. Philemon verse six says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You will only fully grasp everything about the wonder of your salvation when you are active in sharing your faith. Something happens in activity and participation that affects our heart in a powerful way. In church, for instance, it's not about filling rotors. When you are active, something happens in your heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart follows. We often think that's to do with money, but what about time and effort and energy and care? When you put your heart into something, when you put your treasure in, your heart, your affections follow it. Here's a great example. 
my son, when he was really little, so, you know, we're going like to two years old here, he would make a right mess when he was eating his food, right? There'd be stuff up the walls, stuff all over the floor. And as he's eating, my wife would go, oh, for heaven's sake, Zach, be more careful. And she'd try and help him to get his eating back. And she'd be going, oh, Zach, what a mess, I can't believe. And I'd be sitting there like the, the smug, you know, calm husband going, oh, come on, come on, Vicky. It's only a little bit of mess on the floor. We'll clear it. It's only a little bit of ketchup up the wall. We'll clear it. You know, why are you getting so excited and then the day came when I had mopped the floor and then Zach starts to make a mess suddenly stuff rises in my heart Zach oh for heaven's sake can't you be a bit tidier can't you make a little bit less mess see something happened because I had put the effort into clean now my heart was invested in the floor now this is true of life where you put investment suddenly your passion rises towards that thing stop thinking that you do what you feel. It's not really true. Actually, as we do, it causes feeling to come. There's something powerful about activity that helps us to control our feelings and guide them in the right direction that's really powerful. Heard a story of a woman that wanted to divorce her husband. She hated him. She'd had enough of him in his ways. And so she went to a solicitor and said, I want to divorce my husband. I can't stand him. And he said, so, so you hate him? And she said, I really hate him. He's awful. Okay, so if you really hate him, here's the thing to do. Go home and tonight cook him his favourite meal for before he gets in. When he comes in, give him his favourite meal, give him a little back mass massage, run the bath, go out on a date with him, make him fall back in love with you. Then when he's in love with you, then you can tell him, I want a divorce. And she thought, whoa, that'll get him. That's a brilliant plan. I'll do that. So she went and she prepared his favorite meal and she gave his back a little massage and they went on a few dates to see a few movies and they went out for a couple of meals. The solicitor was looking through his little stack of files of different cases he was working on about four months later and thought, you know what, I haven't heard from that woman. He opens the file, says, oh, what happened to her? So he rings her up and says, you know, I, I have this case, you wanted to divorce your husband, we talked about you, you know, um, doing some stuff, doing, helping him fall back in love with you. You haven't called me. Do you, do you want to proceed? She said, ah, well, uh, well, I did exactly what you said. I, I made him his favorite meal and, and uh, you know, we went on some, some nice dates and did some of the stuff that we used to do and massaged his back and I was really nice to him. The problem is, in doing all of that, I fell back in love with him. And no, I don't want to divorce him. Isn't it funny when the Bible in Revelation talks about us leaving our first love? The answer is not feel what you used to feel. God just says, do what you did at first. Your doing leads to your feeling. Stop thinking, I have to feel passion and I do that. It's not really how life works. No, choose what you feel is the right thing to do before God. Do the right thing and your passions will change. It's the law of activity. Something happens when we put our doing where it's supposed to be. It's what mature, strong people do. It's one of the ways of God. I will do the right thing and the good feelings will follow. It's like exercise. I will do the right thing and the good feelings follow. I will eat the right things and the good feelings follow. We begin life strong by going, right, let's get discipline going. Let's do the right thing and then actually all of our feelings follow. It's the law of activity. When we are completely inactive in work, in church, around the home, 
you're going to find that your passions slowly disappear for these things. And suddenly church becomes that thing that you just turn up to. But I don't really care about. Of course you don't care. You're not invested. And don't just invest your tithe. Invest your time when you can. Invest your energies when you can. Do something and the passions will change. You want a revival? Do something. It will change the passions in your heart. At home, do something. It'll make you fall in love again with that place that God's given you. As we do, our passions change. I love this little poem. Let me, let me end with it today. It says this. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appears and I ask the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow the walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. <laughs> because in life there comes a time when one must fight and do and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints on the sand. <laughs> Inactivity. We're supposed to rise and go, come on, God, I want to walk with you and do with you and run with you. Inactivity is a terrible blight on, on our lives. There was an aqueduct that carried water to an ancient town for many years. And at one point, the town council decided we want to make a memorial of this aqueduct. Let's get modern piping to come to the town and, and let's just let this beautiful old aqueduct just rest now and be more of a monument and a statue and a memorial to the past. And so they stopped running the water through the aqueduct and instead they piped it to the town. Within weeks and then within months, the aqueduct began to crumble. But because without the water running through it, it began to lose the power of its use. The very thing of being useful kept it strong and able to do what it was supposed to do. Actually, sometimes in not doing, we become, weak, we become weaker than we ever think. Be very, very careful when you think, I must have times where I don't do anything. I believe in rest times and fallow times and Sabbath times, but make sure they're of God and not born of hurt or of pain or of I'm offended so I don't want to get involved. No, no, no. There's something powerful when we're being useful. You were made for activity. You were made to be doing the things of God. And when you're doing the things of God, you will be strong. So let strength rise in you. One, build a strong foundation. Dig right into some of those areas that you think, oh boy, that's quite a big area in generations of my life. Dig into it. Be the generation that ends things like debt, that ends things like unemployment. Be the generation that changes that. Echoes of it will go on for centuries. And I tell you what, there'll probably be some great, 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 great grandchildren that thank you for breaking that. And finally, the law of activity. Be useful. Be doing what God's called you to do. And if in doubt, just do whatever your hand finds to do. Just do something and say, God, help me to walk in the strength of powerful activity with you. As you walk with God doing what you're called to do, you're going to find strength rises. I pray that as you go, having listened to this program, that God would show you what you're to do next and that you would sense fresh passion and fresh strength rise in your heart.